0: Well, welcome. It is good uh, to see you guys today. Thank you for taking the time to join with us. Whether you are seated at one of our campuses today, or mission sites, or whether you're joining us online, uh, we are grateful that you would take the time that uh, we could be together today. Um, if you don't mind, uh, I'm kind of hungry. Um. So, if it's okay with you, I, I thought maybe um I could just um eat while I talk. I mean that should be a pleasant experience for you, right? So, I, really, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm hungry, and I, I'm kind of glad that I that I honestly just have saved up for this and kind of been looking forward to it and. And uh oh, look at that <laughs> What a beautiful, beautiful blueberry. Man, I know it's kind of not fair that I get to dig into all this by myself, but hey, that's just part of how it works and. Oh man, that is good. I don't know if I can eat the whole thing. Let's see, move around. Mm. Mm-mm. Oh, that is good. That is good. Okay. You know that this does not represent the kind of meal that you want if you are going to regularly strengthen your body. But here's what I want to talk to you about today. I'm afraid this is what it looks like for so many people in terms of how they feed their soul. They just nibble (laughs) a little blueberry, right? And yet, wonder why at times our soul can feel weak. I want you to remember that in the kingdom of God, we are called to the table, God's table. Today we celebrated a little bit of that in in, uh, observing the Lord's Supper, but, but we are called to God's table, which means we get to sit at the table with him, and a part of what happens at the table is nourishment, nourishment, that we get to to talk to God and and he speaks to us and we get to to open his word right today I get to be a part of that today I'm the dude with the food I'm I'm dishing up some food for you today but you don't just eat right once a week You, you don't just eat once a week you know that 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 your body is built that every day there is to be nourishment in fact Actually, more than even once a day that that you need to, to feed your body. Well, just like physical maturity, spiritual maturity means that you understand the necessity of regularly feeding your soul. Eating the right stuff daily. We are called to the table. But also in the kingdom of God, we are called to push away from the table. We are called to push away from the table and then we serve. We 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 act in love. We we are given this mission of declaring the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus, the greatest news that He died for sin. He was buried. The third day, He arose. We push away from the table, and we serve. We go on mission. Around here, we have something called life teams. Um, it is groups of people that meet together. Um, they study God's word, they they pray. It's for the very purpose that we're talking about here. And some seasons in Heart of Life, for life teams, we will encourage them to put an empty chair when they gather. The purpose of the empty chair is to remind us on a regular basis, yes, we are called to gather and, and to, to, to feast. We are called, but but also we are called to push away because there are those who are not yet at the table. For a lot of years, we have been using this imagery here. Sitting at the table to eat and then getting up on the mission to which God has called us to, they are both essential for what it means to follow Jesus. And I'm bringing this up today because we have been looking at a prayer. A prayer in Philippians chapter 1. It's just three verses. We've been hanging out there for about three weeks. But what that prayer reveals is, is the imagery that I just gave you. 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul prayed this prayer for some Jesus followers in a, in a place in a town called Philippi. God said, We're going to write down this prayer. We're going to protect it and we're going to keep it so that all those who follow, which here we are 2,000 years later, He wants to answer this prayer for all His kids. Now, by the way, maybe you're not yet a Jesus follower. And right now, the position of your heart is, I'm just trying to find out what this is really all about. I'm not yet a Jesus follower, but I want to know what what this really is. I'm telling you, this prayer reveals what real Christianity looks like. So one more time today, I want you to look at it with me. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 Of God. Now, I told you, we have spent three weeks here. Every week we unpacked a different verse. But today, my purpose is before we just move to the next section of scripture in Philippians chapter one, there is something that just jumps out from this prayer. After I have spent 3 weeks digging into each piece, now there is this overarching aspect of this prayer that I did not want us to move on without seeing. From now on, when I think about this prayer from the Apostle Paul, this is how I will describe it. Prayer full F-U-L-L. Prayer full. And the reason I say that is this prayer, <laughs> this ain't no prayer with a little blueberry on it. This prayer is a feast. This prayer in every phrase continues to bring up this idea of full, full. Now, we're not earning what we're talking about today. It is what God wants to give us. But what I'm reminding you that if we're going to have it, right, our action is required because this is not experienced without relationship. This is about a relationship between us and God. I told you back in the very first talk of this series on prayer, I told you that prayer is less about an external requirement and it is more about an internal passion. In other words, there are verses in the Bible that tell us pray, 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 But there are more verses in the Bible that talk to us about how and why we pray. Like like the fact that, that we can talk to God and call him our father. The scripture is filled with that. Here's my point. The primary measure of a person's spirituality is not how well they conform to the demand to pray. Right? You can go to a church that, that just, right, pray, pray, you got to pray, you got to pray. And after, I mean, no, the real measure of, of what you have is how internally compelled you are to pray because of the, of the love that you have with God and the love that you have with his people. God loves us and he pours out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit our part is do I have the rhythms in place to experience this love I'm gonna give you two words today rhythm and reflex rhythm and reflex here's why I'm saying it this way God Initiates this reflex in us i 'm saying there is a reflex in us that we were made for God. there is something in us that that desires to call out to him when, when he pours his love in our hearts there, there is this supernatural aspect that I want him. there is a reflex I, I love him because he first loved me. The part that 's my in a sense responsibility is. Are there rhythms in my life daily that I am sitting down at the table with him, feasting on what he has given me, whether, whether it is it's reading his word, taking in his word, spending that time talking with him, it is a rhythm of my life that positions me to experience even more this reflex. That reflex then grows the more that I'm with him. I'm not doing this because I have to. Suddenly it becomes I'm doing this because I want to. I want to. So I'm going to show you today, just real quick, one more time, how God wants you to be full. And the question I'm asking is, are you going to make the rhythms in your life to experience that? Or are you going to fight for the rhythms in your life to regularly eat with him, Let me show you. And then we're going to apply this more than anything today. We're not going to spend a long time on the verses because we've spent three weeks. But here's what I want to show you. Here's, here's the first uh, word that I'm going to use to describe verse 9. It is the word truthful. Truth full. And here's why I say that. Check out verse 9 one more time. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This relationship with God this relationship with his people, it is built on love. And so that's where Paul starts. He says, this is God's love, right, that he has poured out in you. What he's praying for here is that this love will, uh, it will abound. It is the idea, I want this love that God has put in you to roll forward with wave after wave more and more Full. Full. And I want it to be anchored in knowledge. That's truth. Truth for us, it is God's word. What God has spoken on the matter, that is what we know to be truth. And so our love is not some haphazard thing that we just make it up as we go. Here's what love looks like. No, God says this is what real love looks like. The, the guardrails of truth direct us in that, gives us depth. It means all insight. There is word after word of fully controlled by his biblical truth, and full insight, I pray, Paul says, that your love will be truthful. Let's keep going. The second word that I would use for verse 10 is the word hopeful. Hopeful. Here's why. Look at what it says. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That's a blessed hope for us. Our Jesus is coming back. We, again, we celebrated that a few minutes ago in the Lord's Supper, that we celebrate this until he returns. But here's what Paul's saying. When you have this love, this love that is growing in, in knowledge and depth of insight, right, it leads to more. It leads to the truth that you can live a life of what is best. Not just good. This is not the difference in good and bad. This is the difference in good and best. You can live what God says is absolutely best for your life, fully. Best, not bouncing all over the place, not not right riding the caboose backwards in life where all that you see is what passes you by, but no, you can live seeking what God says is best. And when you are always living what is best, it sifts out all the stuff that's not, that what's left is you living a life. That is genuine. A, a life that is pure and blameless. A life that is fully aligned with this is what God's heart says my heart should be linked to. And so I, I live this life. It is hopeful because I know. I know that every day I can ask him, God, what is best? I want my life to align with what is best, and you can build an integrity in me that is genuine, it is real. One day I'm going to meet Jesus face to face because he's coming back. I am hopeful. One more word. Verse 11, I'm going to attach the word purpose. Full purposeful and here's why I say that look at what it says filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God and last week Pastor Peter showed us man we're talking about the the tree Of righteousness right Jesus righteousness that 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 has been imputed to us and from his goodness that's where this fruit is it it comes from and we're not talking about a blueberry Paul's not praying that you'll have a blueberry on the plate his, his language is filled with fruit. Man, you have, you've got a, a mound of fruit on the plate that has come from Jesus who is working in your life. And as he's working through your life, it becomes for his greatness, his praise, and I will tell you that is why you were born your greatest purpose it is to declare God's greatness your greatest purpose it is to praise God with your life he wants the whole earth to know his greatness what else would be greater than him truthful hopeful Purposeful. This prayer, it is full. So the other day, I'm watching this particular commercial. I think it was during some game that I've blocked out of my mind at this point, but I think that's when it was. It was a particular restaurant commercial. And this particular restaurant was promoting a new item on the menu, chorizo. Chorizo. I think we got a little photo here. Chorizo. I like chorizo. I'm watching the commercial and they're they're cooking it up, you know. It's on the it's on the the griddle there and and it's sizzling, I I can hear it sizzling, and I'm starting to smell it through the TV. You know what I'm saying? Good commercial. Until I hear two little words. These are the two little words. Plant-based. Let me say that again. Plant-based. I looked it up. Peppers, tomato paste, crushed garlic, paprika, and olive oil combined with natural pea protein. I don't know. It might be good. You can tell me when you try it, all right? I'm saying it might be good. But let's get something straight it's not chorizo. Yeah, (laughs) I knew you guys would come alive at some point. It's not chorizo. Uh, You are buying chorizo that's not really chorizo. Let me tell you what's a bigger deal to me. I'm afraid that there are a lot of people who are buying into a Christianity that is not really Christianity. Can I tell you that, that maybe sometimes it even tastes okay, but it's not real. See, God wants your life to be truthful, full of his word, right? Feasting on, on, on his word, but, but maybe, 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 maybe like you're not actually feasting on God's word. Um, You're not feasting on God's word where his truth can guide your love. You're feasting on a lot of things, but maybe not his word, right? Or or maybe maybe it's like it's just a, a Sunday thing for you. Or maybe every once in a while there is a, an act of service, right, that, that you decide, yeah, I'm, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to, and, 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 and that feels good. Maybe every once in a while you, 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 you sit down and, and, and you, you feast on the blueberry or, or, you, or you spend a moment to actually pray because especially in the moments that you need something extraordinary for God, But as a result, the lack of truth, the lack of nourishment, man, it won't it won't develop the character that you really wish you had. It, it won't develop that genuine integrity that you really want to be a part of your life. And so not being truthful can lead to not being hopeful in the sense of I am not living out God's best every day. I mean, I get up every day and I you're going through motions, but at the end of the day, if you ask the question, did I live God's best today, the answer might be I don't even know what that is. And the reason we don't know what that is is because we haven't been truthful in the sense sense of, God, what does your word say? God, where are you at on what's most valuable in this life? And so what ends up happening is there are are cracks in my character. There are broken places and I now have to pretend. I have to pretend. I have to cover up those breaks. I'm not living the evidence of Jesus' presence. I'm not declaring the greatness of God. There's not purposeful living in me, it's not really chorizo. It's not really Christianity. But the reason I'm excited to get to talk to you today is because the point of this prayer is that God has offered and placed a feast before you full of his love full of his best full of his character full of his glory his greatness my question is what rhythms do you simply need to Connect in your life. What rhythms need to be there that you can feast on what he's given you? Back to the rhythms and the reflex. He, he, he puts this desire in you to, to, to be with him, but what are the rhythms for you? I'm going to remind you that we have um, done our best in this study of Philippians early on to give you some tools, to give you some utensils with which to feast if you go to heart of life website heartoflife.org and you click on resources there is a line there called intersections intersections is something that we put they put it every single week on monday there is god's word that you can read and some questions for you to to, to think through and to, to ask God to give you direction on. On Tuesday, there's another scripture and you, you read through it and you, you ask God to, to give you insight. And on Wednesday, there's more scripture. And all throughout the week, there's different scripture. And then at the end of the week, it sort of leads you to look at all of those scriptures and say, what is the gigantic point? What's the big truth? What's the overarching theme that God has put in his word multiple times so that you will feast on it and you will know, filled with truth so that you can see his best. And when you see his best, you walk it out with an integrity that reveals the evidence that Jesus' presence is with you. You you live his purpose, declaring his greatness. Some of you just simply need to pick up those utensils and start eating, eat. There's another line called memory plan. Woo-hoo, memory plan. Everybody dogs on memory. We do, we make jokes about it, I do too. We dog on memory plans like, "Ah, I'm just not good at memorizing. We all lie about that because we memorize stuff every single day. You have memorized stuff in your work You memorize songs. You memorize stories because you can hear a story on the way to work or something you read and when you get to work, you can actually repeat it to somebody. It's just sometimes we don't realize, man, employing that same rhythm of God, will you help plant in my mind the truth of your word that I can recall that. God, that that I'm able to use that throughout a day to discern what's best, to know how to love people, to live with integrity, to live for your glory. God, will you help me do that? Yes, he will. Some of you, you you need to take a practical step, like like joining something like a life team around here. you, You heard me talk about life teams earlier. One of the great value of life, this is God's design that we do life together. And so especially on a week like this, where it's like, okay, there are some rhythms that I need to put in my life. Man, to have some people who lovingly, like not, not harmingly, but lovingly will help me hold me accountable to that. Like, they'll, I, I, can, I can talk to one of them and say, hey, will you pray, will you pray for me this week? Because I'm trying to implement this. This is what I want my morning to start like every day. I'm going to fight for this. Will you fight with me? And, and there's just doing life together, that's how it has to be done. That is God's design. Those utensils are there. And I'm encouraging you, will you place those rhythms in your life? If you're a follower of Jesus, He's planted His love in you. He has. When Paul prays this prayer for those Philippians way back there, he's praying not for something that they don't have, he's praying that something they have will what? Become full. Become full. That they don't just nibble, but that that it will just continue to grow. And so there's just one more word for me as I've studied, you know, through this over the last three or four weeks. It is this word, full-bodied. Full-bodied. I I pray that for heart of life, that we will be full-bodied. What what does that mean? When you say that, you know, something's full-bodied like coffee when you say that coffee is full-bodied, you're talking about man. It it is it is rich. It is robust. It it is flavorful. It is bold. It is full, right? That's the only kind of coffee I buy, by the way. I do. I I, I brought just a few examples because I'm always trying to help you guys out. Um, sometimes I'll I'll get coffee from wherever we travel because. Why not? I love coffee, and so this is some Montana, some kind of. Uh, let me just read it to you: heavy, bold, earthy, dark. That's my coffee, all right. That's the coffee. It it is bold. It is robust. Um, it is full bodied. It's got a bear on it, all right. That's that's the kind of coffee I I I, I like. I I uh, I like. Cafe Du Monde, just pulling out a few coffees that are in my cabinet. I love Cafe Du Monde. It's a cafe cafe, uh, coffee stand in New Orleans. Um, This particular one is coffee and chicory, which is just a whole different level of making you happy. It is good. It is strong. It is bold. It is flavorful. I brought one more back in, in the South growing up. Community was the coffee. Oh, look. I actually, I didn't. I brought my LSU community bag. Didn't mean to do that, but look at there. It's it's LSU community coffee bag. Um, I I love community coffee, though, because it's just full-bodied. Not some of that nasty, weak stuff that Jesus said, I will spew you out of my mouth, right? Kind of what he said, right? Actually, he did say, I will spew you out of my mouth. And you know what he was talking about? A weak, a weak approach, a nibbling approach, right? He said, not hot or cold, but lukewarm approach. To what a relationship with Jesus is about, not full-bodied. It says of that church that he said that to, it's recorded in the book of Revelation, it says, get this, they were rich, and so they didn't really think they needed him that much. It's sometimes the case in a culture where the more that we have, we 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 don't recognize we need him that much, and so we don't think we need to feast. We can just get by with a blueberry every once in a while. But do you remember Jesus' response in that, in that occasion, the church at Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3, do you remember what Jesus said after that? I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear me and open the door, I will come in and eat with you. And you with me. Have you ever stopped to think how cool it is that you can have coffee with Jesus. I mean, like, really. And that he wants to be there. Full-bodied. When Paul prays this prayer church at Philippi you can hear you can hear his love this this little letter is unlike really any of the other letters that he writes a, a degree of just a, a love for these people who were they well acts chapter 16 you know, tells us how it all started. We we studied that when we went through the, the full book of Acts this last year. Before we wrap today, I just want to remind you who they were. We're told that it was there that, that Paul encountered Lydia. Remember Lydia in scripture? Lydia was from Thyatira. That means that racially Lydia is Asian. But she also has a house in Philippi, and we we gain. She's wealthy. She she is a woman in the fashion business. She's got houses in multiple in our world. To be like she's got a house in L.A. and she's got a house in New York. That 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 is who Lydia is. She is successful. She is very much in control in the sense of her life. But she's also a God fearer. Which means she has rejected paganism. She she has rejected the idea of all these other gods, and and she is trying to live a moral life because we first met meet Lydia at a Bible study. She has gathered with some women, they are they are studying the scripture. There is an intellect to her, a, a seeking with her. She understands God's laws. She also understands we've broken God's laws, but she, she knows there's something that God desires to do to fix that. So where does Paul meet Lydia? He meets her where she is. He meets her at the Bible study. He begins to unpack the good news of Jesus, a Jesus who is the answer for how God covers sin, an, an answer for how sin can be forgiven. Paul engages her intellect. She becomes a believer. She's baptized. We're then told that she ends up hosting Paul and, and, and those who are with him, apparently she had a nice place. That's Lydia. Lydia. The second person we meet in Philippi was a slave girl, a slave girl. She is demon-possessed. She had some sort of supernatural power involved with, with like, fortune-telling, and she would make money for the men who owned her. She is not Lydia. Lydia. She's not Asian, she's Greek. Uh, The slave, she's not in control. (laughs) This is not about the intellect for her. She's not even really seeking at this point. She is impoverished, she is enslaved, she is exploited, she has nothing. She's manic, she is following them around, screaming. She's not like Lydia, she's out of control. Paul doesn't invite her to the Bible study. But in Holy Spirit power, he commands that which enslaves her on the inside to let go of her. And he does. And she now is just not shouting about a salvation. She, she knows the way it was an unexplainable supernatural act of power, God's power. Well, as a result of that, we're told that uh, Paul and Silas, they, they, they are not seen well because she suddenly can't make money for those who own her anymore. They, they, they stir up trouble. Paul and Silas are stripped, they're beaten, and they are turned over to the third person that we meet in, in Acts chapter 16. It is a jailer a jailer that is given the orders to guard them carefully. That's what it says. So you know what he does? He puts them in the inner prison in stocks. Now, when we tend to think stocks, we tend to think a couple of hundred years ago kind of stocks, you know, and you got people. Stocks in Paul's day, they would contort a person's body. They would stretch them, twist them, and then they would fix their feet. For example, in those stocks, creating cramps unlike anything that you can imagine as your body is contorted, and then they just leave you there. They leave you there. At midnight, it says Paul and Silas are singing praises to God (laughs) because you can't stop them. It says all the people in the jail are listening and suddenly there's an earthquake and the doors fly open and Paul and Silas are now freed and it says the jailer is about to take his life. Now, I'm pointing out this jailer is not like Lydia, and he is not like the slave girl. He is not rich. He is not poor. He is a blue-collar, middle-class, ex-GI. He is guarding the jail. With this guy, it is not about intellect. He is not thinking about the meaning of life. He is not about the the, the charismatic hype of of supernatural power. That's not what he's thinking about. He wants to fulfill his duty to Rome. go home, have a beer, watch the game. That's his life. I find it interesting that when he thinks the prisoners have escaped, he's about to take his life. Now, it was the case in that day that if a, if a jailer lost the prisoners they were to guard, it, it, it could cost them their life. But you know what most jailers did if that happened? They ran. <laughs> they would just run, escape. If it was going to cost you your life, get out of there. Go find a new place to live. But this guy, he is a duty-bound Roman to the core. How does Paul engage him? He gives him a concrete example that there is a greater duty. It is an example of Christian living that shakes this jailer to the core when he hears at midnight two men raising their voices to to God in praise. They find themselves in stocks. They have been beaten, and yet they are not moved from what they know to be their greatest treasure. They don't run when, they're, when they could run. Paul knows what would happen to this man if he ran, but they give him an example of a greater duty, far more than Rome. This man puts his trust in Jesus, as does his household. So here's the picture that I want to give you today. We have an Asian woman, wealthy CEO, fashionista, that really... The gospel comes to her through what we would say her intellect. She's seeking. We also have a, a Greek girl. She's poor, demon-possessed. She's a slave. I mean, it is just Holy Spirit miracle demoness removed. And then we have a Roman man, blue-collar, duty-bound G.I., that he is given eyes to see through an example of Paul and Silas in that prison ladies and gentlemen welcome to the church at Philippi this is how it began where the gospel The good news of Jesus defies race, defies socioeconomic position, defies background, defies aptitude. Guess what? The gospel still does that. It's just that sometimes we don't often know it and the reason we don't often know it is because we have a tendency to do life with people who are just, like us we we live in neighborhoods with people who are a lot like us we 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 tend to hang out even at church perhaps with people who are who are kind of like us people who think like us people who see similarly to us and I'm reminded in this prayer that Paul prays the gospel blows right through all of that stuff Lydia would have never hung out with demon possessed slave girl ever blue collar xgi would have viewed lydia with disdain but all the stuff that would have normally kept them separate the gospel just blows that up and makes them a church makes them a family makes them with with They are now with one another in family, God's family. All the things that would have separated them, all the things that could have divided them, the real church, the real church at its foundation is more than a place that might just be able to provide the best programs. The real church is, is more than, than an organization that, that might be able to provide the best worship experience. The, the real church is more than a place where you might be able to find the best speakers. All of those things are okay, but if they are missing one thing, they cannot grow the real church because the real church is built with the best love. 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 A love that puts others above self. That all the stuff that might normally lead us to not even speak to each other, but suddenly, we are family. I am grateful. Or how that exists here but I don't mind telling you I want God to make that plate full here I want us to love fuller like I'm talking about really Love. And when we do, it'll change everything about who we are as Heart of Life. It'll affect how we reach because we realize this love is bigger than just me and people like me. It'll affect how we act to benefit one another that we won't just be making decisions for what's best for me. But when I'm at the Bible study, I'm at the prayer meeting, I'm at the Sunday gathering, I'm at the team meeting, whatever it is, I'm not just there for what it gives me. I'm there for how it might help you. Knowing that we need each other and we're not gonna pull this off without each other. We're not gonna pull this off if we're not family. So I'm not just there for me. I'm not just evaluating, am I gonna go to this for what I can get? I'm gonna go to this because of you. And how together. We can help one another feast on what God wants to fill for us. Yes, we have differences. My goodness, you look at us as a church from from rural to urban, all levels of wealth and levels of education and different races and different political views. But the gospel blasts through all of that. What a love. What a family. Don't you want that? What's your next step? Some of you need to start following Jesus. (laughs) Some of you need to start following Jesus. Some of you need to start praying like Paul's praying for your church. Start praying like Paul's praying for your family. Man, we pray that God will fill up, right, bank accounts, and we pray that God will give us full, healthy lives. And you know what? I I don't know if he's gonna do that for you. But you pray this, This is what he fills up and desires to fill up every single time. Some of you just simply need to start getting to know your family here better. And I could give you 14 ways to do that today, but some of it's just gonna come down to will you spend a little more time and get to know? the family that just like in Philippi, God put together in all of our differences, but that through the gospel, it'll blast all those differences that we might become such a place known for how we love that the world knows the greatness of God. Maybe a little more time before, after we come together, a little more checking on one another during the week. The way you guys prayed for one another last week, Remember how you prayed for one another last week? That's the stuff. That's the stuff. And I pray for the day where we don't have to ask you to do that. We just do that. It's just who we are. Today, I got to pray. We got to finish. Today, I, uh, I almost wore my Chiefs jersey. I did. I, I, I did. I almost wore my Chiefs jersey. And the reason is just that I might remind you of the difference between fans and family. Fans cheer their team when it wins. When it's winning, fans cheer. And when that team struggles, fans have a way of just moving on to whatever else might be winning in life. Families, They also cheer their team when it's winning. But when it struggles, families suit up. And families take the field. And families fight for one another. Let's pray. God, this is my prayer. That our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. God, will you make us a people truthful? Truthful. We want that so that we will be able to discern what you say is best for our lives. And that as a result, we will be a people who are real, who are genuine, who are not just claiming a title of Christianity, but a people who are filled with the fruit, filled with the evidence that you, Jesus live in us. Dear God, might you make us a people who declare your greatness in every culture through Jesus' life. What you did in Philippi, God, would you please do? in us this week may we fight for the rhythms that need to be present that we will sit with you eat with you because you love us it's in the name of Jesus that I ask it